Rock on Rockies fans, welcome into the Locked on Rockies podcast for today. The Oh boy, well, I'm getting all my dates wrong. It's the fifth day of December here on the Locked on Rockies podcast. You can find us free and streaming on your favorite streaming service each and every day. And you can find us at Locked on Rockies on YouTube. I am your Rockies fan extraordinaire, Paul Holden, bringing you all sorts of wonderful baseball knowledge from the Rockies side of things. Been following this team my entire life and bringing you your daily Colorado Rockies podcast for two seasons and some change. Now, one team that I don't know much about, and they're very close, and two teams that I think are probably more interesting than people give them credit for are the Rockies and the Kansas City Royals. And we are joined by the host of the Locked on Royals podcast, Ryland Stiles, joins us today. Ryland, thank you so much for the time. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Crossovers are my favorite, especially when we get to talk teams and give a give a voice to some teams that I think that don't always get a, a voice out there. So I, and, and this is how I started, Ryland. Uh, the Rockies and the Royals, I believe, did match up last season. Uh, if I recall correctly, I might have had that wrong. I'm, I also have Mariners on the brain, so I might be seeing that. But what happened with the Royals in 2022? What should the fans know? Obviously, uh, three less wins than the Rockies. So if you're looking at overall win-loss total, it was probably a, a similar feeling year for you over there of a long baseball season of a lot of losing. But tell us, give us the breakdown, the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah, it, it started out really, really, really bad, obviously, out of the gates, uh, and it still finished that way. In the middle, the only bright spot, really the only bright spot of the entire season was Brady Singer. Brady Singer eventually turned into, you know, a guy that looked like he could win a Cy Young one day uh, in, in, in the middle part of his season, you know, really from June until the end of the year. He was excellent. But the, the disappointing part for Kansas City was this team looked like on paper, you know, with Merrifield, Salvador Perez, uh, you know, Bobby Witt Jr., the best prospect in baseball, uh, being added to the team on opening day. This team looked like on paper it could be much better than what it ended up being last year uh, win-wise. And so it was a disappointing year overall. They fired their manager. They fired their pitching coach. They fired Dayton Moore. Uh, but the future looks a lot brighter now because of it. And that's kind of one big difference you can kind of see. The the Royals were willing to and have been willing to do the turnover. Salvador Perez may be the only thing that they have decided to not move on from because he's been still such a solid piece and such a big part of, of who the Royals are. But that's a kind of contrast. The Rockies do finally move on from their hitting coach this year. They, they, they do make a coaching change at the end as the Rockies are abysmal at hitting yet again that's what i think a lot of people would be surprised to hear that the rockies weren't a great offensive team last year a team that did not hit a lot of home runs and a team that obviously didn't get any performance from uh the one of the biggest signings in the offseason last year in chris bryant so for summarizing the rockies season it was again another season where the rockies continued to look for their identity continue to search for something that, uh, that that kind of shows their plan. And they finally started to commit to that, I think, towards the end of the year. For the first time in what I can think of in a long time, the Rockies kind of did throw in the towel, so to speak, meaning they were playing prospects. They called prospects up. They decided to give their young guys playing time. We got to see four prospects get more playing time than anticipated. And we get to see arguably the biggest, like you, like you and the Royals having their number one prospect. I mean, that's in baseball overall. <laughs> that's a little bit of 
of a bigger story. But the Rockies' number one overall prospect does debut with the club last year in Ezekiel Tovar. And Rockies fans are now finally going to see what the Rockies were looking at with the Nolan Arenado trade. They're finally getting... Austin Gomber hasn't really worked out. Austin Gomber didn't finish the year in the starting rotation. He actually finished out of the bullpen for the Rockies. And uh, now going into this year, we can kind of see why the Rockies decided this was, these were the players to be included in the deal. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, but the Rockies might be turned into a very young prospect to start the season at shortstop in, in 2023. So what have the Royals been up to this offseason so far? You mentioned a ton of uh, turnover in terms of, of coaching staff. Uh, have they made a hire in terms of managers and have they been able to sign or bring any players uh, into the club? Yeah, so it's been awesome to see that the Royals, you know, got a new owner uh, during the, the kind of the COVID period. So uh, I've been calling this kind of his first true offseason as owner of the Royals because Dayton Moore is now out of the way and he gets to run things with an entirely new regime that was not under uh, glass. So Sherman is now getting to run things his way. And what's been encouraging for Royals fans, I think, is Sherman comes from Cleveland and the higher up manager has been Matty Q from Tampa Bay, and then the the pitching coach is from uh, Cleveland. And so, for small market teams to win, I think you have to model yourself after Cleveland and Tampa Bay. And it looks like uh, Sherman is going to do that with Kansas City, and that's like the only pathway to sustained success. I mean, Dayton Moore built up what was described as you know the best prospect uh, system and farm system in baseball. You know, in like 2010, 2011, 2012, in that range, that's what the Royals were known as. And all those, you know, all those talented pieces only managed to be two playoff appearances. And so you got to find a way to be sustainable. And that's what Tampa Bay and Cleveland does. So getting people from those organizations into this organization, I think will do wonders for Kansas City. But yeah, they so far have made those two hires. Uh, It's awesome to see that. But so far, they haven't done anything with the players side of things yet. Hoping for maybe some winter meetings, probably to to kick things off for them. Yeah, I I wonder how much they're going to do in the sense of player acquisition. I think that they're going to go out and try to find a veteran starter. Uh, maybe that's bringing back Zach Grinky. Maybe that's bringing back Zach Grinky plus somebody else. Uh, but I think they're going to add to that to that rotation. I'd be surprised if they didn't add to the bullpen in some capacity. But the lineup uh, per se, maybe an outfielder. But for the lineup, you look at it up and down. You're not taking away Bobby Witt Jr. out of that lineup. You're not taking away MJ Melendez out of that lineup. You're not taking away uh, Salvador Perez or Vinny Pascantino out of that lineup. So that's already four slots right there. You have Alberto Mondesi, if he can ever stay healthy, that you still would like to get at bats too when he's healthy. He's he's played at a really high level at times. And then you have Nicky Lopez, who's a gold glove caliber player. Michael A. Taylor, a gold, a gold glove caliber player. Both those, both those things are very important to Kansas City to have a gold glove talent up the middle with Perez and Nicky Lopez and Michael A. Taylor. So like now you're down to like one or two positions that would be open in the in the uh, entire lineup. So I think that the, mainly you're looking for Kansas City to add some pitching in the offseason. Man, that is it's 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 there's a lot of similarities <laughs> between these teams, uh, you, you know. But one of the big things too that I, I I was taking back when I was thinking about when you were uh, you know breaking things down for us was new ownership for the Royals and what does that new ownership do? Brings in pieces from successful organizations that aren't the we have we are just gonna buy in tons of money. It isn't bringing out you know people from the Dodgers, people from Houston, and, and so to speak. 
that's the right thing to do for teams like this. And that's something I wish the Rockies would do. The Rockies continuously hire from within the organization, the organization that has yet to win the NL West instead of this team. I mean, the Guardians weren't supposed to be anything last year. And what do they do? Make an incredible postseason run and show that they have a ton of really exciting, awesome players. Now, are they going to commit? We'll see about that. The, the Guardians got to have a habit of <laughs> moving on from players, I think, a little too quickly, in my opinion. But it's got to be so refreshing to to see that type of stuff, to see change like that. And I sit here and I say all the time, the Rockies are just desperate for someone to – there's someone out there that can crack the course Field enigma. There, there's just some somebody out there that, that can come help this team, and this team thinks, no, nah, we, we got it, and why should we trust them, you know? Yeah, it, it is incredibly refreshing to – have just a new take on everything from the Royals front office and and coaching staff. I, I think that not hiring a retread manager is a big step in that direction, not getting a Ned Yost or Mike Matheny type of person. Also, I mean, you, you look at Dayton Moore and he gets a lot of praise, but he's went to two World Series in his career in Kansas City. And even with those seasons in play, the Royals have the worst record in baseball in his, in his tenure. So like that's pretty bad that like that kind of shows how bad he's been that you can go to two world series and still in your career in an organization be the worst team in baseball so it obviously wasn't working i think it, i think it was mainly just the fact of small market teams can't hold on to guys for too long like they held on to Whit merrifield and he went merrifield never went to the playoffs with kansas city and you didn't trade him until he's quite literally having the worst the worst in his career statistically in every category both in the field and at the plate so Holding on to guys too long with State Moore's big problem. Obviously, people from Cleveland, Tampa Bay are not going to do that. Interesting that you say that. I'm, I'm okay. That makes me think of something interesting. I'm going to ask you a question here about that in the theme of that. But before we do that, got to tell you about some of the folks that help make these shows possible, and that includes Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. And as we know, it is sports overload right now with the World Cup and basketball, hockey. Everything is going on right now. And guess what? You can even check out futures bets for baseball if you can't wait to get in on the action. You can't wait to bet on the Royals and the Rockies. I know that's at the top of everybody's mind. Well, they got you covered at betonline.net. They got the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football, basketball, soccer, and even the esports. It's all there at betonline.net. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today. That's betonline.net. You can even use your mobile device to learn more about the number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. That's betonline, where the game starts little crossover action going on here. Locked on Rockies, locked on Royals. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. You said small market teams shouldn't hold on to players too long. While I have been pushing back on the notion that the Rockies are a small market team, I don't think they get to hide behind that anymore. When I hear, when I hear small market, I think Kansas City, and I would say Kansas City and the Rockies are in two different spaces when it comes to market size. I would say Denver is considerably larger market size than than Kansas City. Maybe I'm wrong, but in terms of what I think of it and the national scale of things, I, I'm trying to buck the trend. Should the Rockies have traded? So do you think the Rockies should have traded Nolan Arenado? 
Yeah, I think that the Rockies made the right decision in trading Nolan Arenado. I think I don't think that that was the problem. I think that the problem, of course, was you know the the, the development of the players you got back from Nolan Arenado. Uh, I, I think that it's tough, right? I mean, the Rays trade Evan Longoria, and he's like the guy. Like for that Rays franchise, he was the first and last true just superstar they've ever had. So trading him was very hard to the Giants, but it results in them going to the World Series again in 2020 and having sustained success. Like making those moves are very, very, very difficult. And now maybe, like you said, for the Rockies, who will go out and spin for Chris Bryant, you know, they will go out there and pay for a free agent. It's different. That's that's kind of how I view small markets. We can get into like whose Metroplex is bigger. I don't really care about that. Right. I care about how your ownership work, you know, operates your team. If they're willing to spend, that changes everything. The Royals have not proven that they're willing to spend. They're not willing to go sign a big bat on the fragrant market. They need a pitcher. Oh, they're going to go get Zach Greinke back in, in year 50 of his career, and he's just not very good anymore. He's, he's got a five ERA. He's still that quirky, funny guy, but he's not a very talented ball player anymore. Like, if that's all you can do in free agency, then you are a small market, and you have to start acting like you're a small market. So for the Rockies, I don't, I didn't think that that was a terrible decision by the Rockies to trade away Nolan Arenado. I think that they kind of struck while the iron was hot, and it's, of course, gotten hotter with him playing well in, in, um, in St. Louis. Uh, but... The only thing I'd, I'd push back on the Rockies trading away him for is because if you were going to spend money anyway, then you might as well should have just kept him. Like it, now, if you weren't going to spend money, trade him, get prospects back, and hopefully develop them a lot better than you actually did. But yeah, that, that's kind of my big thing. If you're not going to pay for if you're not going to pay for guys around that marquee player, then you might as well trade him and then have everyone be on a controllable deal where everyone's kind of tied to the same length of contract and uh, and control, and then you go win with those young guys. Hopefully. It's kind of what the Rockies are doing now, honestly. They have assigned most of their team to extensions that pair up with the Bryant length. I mean, they after last year, they kind of let every the only remaining piece really is Charlie Blackman and a little bit of Ryan McMahon. And then, of course, the pitching staff, the, the, the three main starters still there from the back to back playoff years. But you kind of nail it on the head. It's very frustrating when the Rockies had the players there. I, I really don't know why it wasn't worth it to go all in when you still had story up until 2021 at that point on his deal. He didn't, uh, he, he, he's still there. You already had Nolan extended. You really were the CJ crone away. And then finally, I mean, at that point with back-to-back playoff appearances and yes, 2019, the, the back half was a mistake. And then the world changed in 2020, but let's say it doesn't. And, and you, you had the, 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 the chance to go out to, to, the pitcher finally in free agency and say, come to Colorado. We have success with these pitchers. They have shown that they can handle it. They can help you. And then the back on, but to protect you, your infield is Nolan Arenado, Trevor story. And then at that point, it could have been Ryan McMahon playing second base and just move DJ LeMayhew to first. I mean, all the pieces for the Rockies to go all in were kind of there. And and, and that's why I'm curious. I mean, you, you mentioned the Royals having the, the, the most losses in baseball, the worst record, but two World Series appearances, isn't it worth it? I, I don't know. I mean, for, for me, I the Rockies' back-to-back playoff appearances were incredible. But I the one of the biggest frustrations as a Rockies fan is constant mediocrity, where it's, we're not there, we're just missing a wild card, but we're not, you know, getting, we're not bl- no, acknowledging that we're going to rebuild. The Rockies don't even say the word rebuild. Yeah, for the Royals' perspective, it's absolutely worth it, right? In, in my lifetime, they've been to the playoffs twice. But on the flip side, though, here's the problem. 
in my lifetime, they've been competitive twice. Like the, the terrible team, 100 lost team, 80 lost team, 90 lost team my entire life, except for those two times that you got to the playoffs. One was a wild card appearance. One, of course, was the one in the division. But both times got to the World Series, which I would not trade those years in at all uh, for, for the world. What, what has happened in Kansas City that I that I disagreed with with Dayton Moore was in 2016, okay, I get it. You just won a World Series. You're not going to trade them. That that's that's too extreme, even for the Rays to do. You're not going to trade them before you even have ring night on on your first World Series championship for this generation, second in the Royals history. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm fine with that one. So, but you you missed the playoffs 2016 with that same core. 2017, you know that Hosmer's going to get outpriced. Lorenzo Kane's going to get outpriced out of your market size. What you're what you're willing to spend, and you know the team is also not good enough to go to the playoffs as they weren't the year before. And the team was, you know, seven games out of a playoff spot, whatever, around the, around the trade deadline. And instead of trading Hosmer away, trading Mustakas away, trading Lorenzo Kane away, they kept them, they added to them, and it still didn't result in the playoffs. Whereas at that point, I think that the Rays or the Guardians would have went ahead and traded them away, gotten back a huge haul. Because look, we can we can look at what Eric Cosmer is right now, but look at what the Padres paid him whenever they could in free agency that, that winter. So retroactively back then, what you could have gotten from the trade market was obviously huge if he can go out there and command $50,000 million on the open market. Same with Lorenzo Cain, obviously. You couldn't pay him either. Now, Moustakis... No one wanted him for some reason in free agency, but I think at the deadline they would have wanted him uh, before resigning him, before paying him. But nonetheless, like you could have gotten assets that help you launch into the second generation of winning versus standing pat because you're too afraid to admit you need to rebuild and, and, and holding on to a good thing or holding on to a fan favorite. Sometimes you can't play with your emotions, so to say, uh, whenever you're building a team. Yeah, and it, it, on the Rockies' perspective, you kind of it, it's a the, the prime example. Trevor's story should have been traded before that season. Why you? There was no chance that you just traded Nolan. He was clearly not happy. There was he was going to leave. I mean, it was going to take the Rockies. If the Rockies backed up a truck and, and dumped it, they, they, he would have stayed. I think most people would have. It doesn't matter the situation. They would have taken the uh, if the Rockies overpaid, but. The Rockies for lose John Gray and Trevor Story going into 2022, and all they get in return for the, those two players, two really key pieces of their success. John Gray is a I would have happily John Gray would have been the best pitcher statistically in the Rockies rotation this year with how under how much the Rockies starters underperformed this year. I would have happily had him again, but the Rockies got one draft pick, one draft pick. From Trevor Story and John Gray. I mean, it just seems like if you're going to not have those players on your team from a team that, like we mentioned, is willing to spend money and extend people. This is a team that has now extended Herman Marquez, Ryan Marquez, uh, Ryan McMahon, uh, you know, uh, Antonio Senzatella, Kyle Free. I mean, they are willing to extend these players. Just interesting the players the Rockies have chosen to extend and 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 buy into, uh, and instead of uh, you know uh, something like a Trevor Story, but they did have Tobar, they did have things in the future. There were plenty of uh, changes amongst along the way, but it's uh, it's interesting to see. And uh, would be refreshing if the Rockies were starting to mix things up a bit as well. I want to ask a bigger picture question to you here, Rylan. But before we do that, here's this. Locked on Rockies, locked on Royals crossover action. First time. Very exciting. We're having a great conversation here about philosophy. I mean, it's really nice to just kind of talk about two teams that have 
similar philosophies, but one team kind of moving because the Royals have a lot of history. And one of my favorite ballparks I got to go through, they have a beautiful ballpark over there. They really, I mean, people like the Royals and like the experience. So really hoping to see, do you expect, you mentioned at the beginning of this episode, we'll kind of go full circle. We talked about everything going into next year is, do they have the same with the same team on paper? Do you, do you see an improvement? Do you see a mid 70 win team? I'm not saying third wildcard team immediately, but are, are, are you seeing maybe 70 plus wins next year? I hope so. I, th- I think that that kind of just is, is, is like Bobby Witt Jr. He didn't have that Adley Rushman year, much less having the Julio Rodriguez year, but he was touted as the best player out of that group. So can he use this offseason to adjust? Can he use this offseason to get better? And can he have his big breakout year? And if he does, well, then, yeah, that, that lifts up your, your win total because MJ Melendez is still there and good. Nick Prado, Vinny Pescantino. Again, the health of Alberto Mondesi, he practically didn't play this year, so that's like a brand-new player that you add in. And, you know, what Soto Perez can bring. I think that this team should be better win-wise for sure. Rockies get Chris Bryant back. They will be a better team. They And if they add some, uh, who knows? I really think uh, the one thing the Rockies should go after, I think Rockies, Cody Bellinger, seems to be a really good pair. It makes a lot of sense, I think, for both sides. Uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's not that much risk. You, you, you can trade away some of these other pieces you have to build up some depth. Um, I think the Rockies will be a little bit better, but uh, that pitching staff really needs to to, step, to to bounce back. They all regressed basically the entire starting core that we know had either their career worst or second career worst year last year. And this team has to hit on the road, something that is incredibly frustrating. And uh, speaking of the road, the Rockies, everyone in baseball will be heading on the road at least some point playing every team in baseball as part of the balanced schedule. And Ryan, I'm curious, do you see this as a win for the Royals? Because I see it as a huge win for the Rockies. So I see it for a win for the Rockies, but a loss for the Royals. I think that the Royals are actually, and everyone in the central is actually the only teams that it's a huge loss for like the, the uh, AL East huge win for the AL East huge win for the, uh, in a, you know, AL West, huge win for the NL West, East, etc. But I think that the central divisions in both the leagues, really, the central divisions are really hurt by it because the Royals playing 16, 18 times a year against their, their, their divisional foes, that's a great thing if they ever want to get good again. Like, you're telling me that you would rather, you know, not play the Guardians 16 times or the Tigers, who are also in the same boat as the Royals, or the Twins, who, who are always up and down. Uh, it feels like, like the, there's no juggernaut in the central division, I think in either league besides, you know, the, the, the Cardinals being in the NL league. But, but when you look at the other divisions though, there's like five juggernauts in all of them, especially in the NL East. So I think it's a huge win for baseball overall for the Royals specifically. Yeah. You'd, you'd rather beat up on the Tigers 16 times than, than have to venture out and play more games against actual good teams and actual like just stellar teams. But I think that for the Royals fan base, like, and not being as shrewd as the win loss column. It is awesome to see that, that, that these rule changes, I think will do wonders for the fan base as a whole, because you are going to get to welcome in Mike Trout every year. You're going to get to welcome in Bryce Harper every year. And, and all these stars around baseball to Kauffman stadium. It makes the value of your season tickets go up. Also, I think that the banding of the shift and the pitch clock and, and everything that they're doing on the field as well, makes it for a better viewing experience. So I think that this is a amazing rule change, but for the X's and O's wins and losses, it does hurt the Royals a little bit, but they haven't really taken advantage of this bad division anyway. So who really cares? 
as a as a team currently being dominated by one of those juggernauts i simply never want to see in my life the looking at the schedule and the last six games of the season are all at la i cannot believe they were like yeah yeah you that's where it's like if you want to go deep like you know some conspiracy theory mlb is like Let's let's make sure the Dodgers have six games against the Rockies at the end of the season, just just in case, just in case. And they're I all keep reminding myself like that this is a rule change. Like I always, whenever I talk about the rule changes, I'm like, oh yeah, the you know the, the shift, whatever, whatever. Because I've never viewed this as a problem. Because like for the Central Division, we don't care. Like everyone's <laughs> the same, pretty much equally bad in the AL Central. And then I right. look out and I'm like, huh. You know, it is pretty unfair that the Rockies got to play the Dodgers 16 times. Oh, yeah, and the Padres 16 times. Oh, yeah, and the Giants 16 times, who've never been bad in their entire league's, you know, entire franchise history. Oh, yeah, and, and the upstart little Diamondbacks 16 times. That's pretty rough. That's a pretty rough life for the Rockies. Yeah, and but you nailed it on the head. It's overall better for the product of the game. Bring in the big – the stars can finally go everywhere. Mike Trout's not locked to the West Coast. The the show – I mean, how long it lasts, we'll see how much those two – you know, the 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 Trout-Otani show is still together over there. But I'm, I'm with you there. And, uh, you know, I used to be anti-ban the shift, and then now I'm full, all for it. I, I think it's going to bring fans back to a game that they can understand and know and love instead of – if you've not watched baseball and then you come back and you're like, why is there someone playing shallow center field and no one playing left on the left side of the infield and the classic kid? Cause everyone asks me, cause I, I have a lot of non-baseball fans and they'll see the shift and they're like, why don't they just bunt it over there? And I'm like, honestly, it's a great question. I really don't know. I don't know why teams haven't just had players completely abandon the tactics, change their swing and just whack it down in there. Probably because they're throwing a hundred miles an hour and it's literally impossible to uh, see the pitch anyway. But Rylan, that is going to wrap things up for us today. Really awesome conversation. I learned, learning a lot about two teams that uh, again, have a lot to, uh, a lot to give, I think in a lot more interesting things. And when fans are going to be able to see play teams like the Rockies and the Royals. Now, you know, there's uh, some, some stuff to watch. Where can they go? Make sure they're staying up to date with all things Royals and, and all thing you, because you are all over the place on the locked on podcast network. You are Kansas city sports guy. I appreciate it, Paul. You can find <laughs> me on Twitter at Ryan underscore styles. Uh, follow the show on Twitter, Locked On Royals, and also follow Locked On Thunder on Twitter as well. But, uh, Paul, this was great. It was awesome to have our first crossover, our first ever uh, voice communication that we've ever had, I believe. So that was awesome as well. Uh, but, yeah, great show. Glad we were a part of it. Let's do it again sometime. We will absolutely do it again. Lots of offseason still ahead. We're covering your favorite team every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. If you want to stay up to date with me and the Rockies, I am Paul Holden. You can find me at Paul Holden 33 and the show at LO Rockies. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. This is Paul Holden saying so long from the Locked On Podcast Network.